0: Is Thrive Perspectives, an ever growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives, with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne.
1: Matthew, we're going from the last couple of episodes of Perspectives, we've looked at politics. Mm. You know,
2: we told everyone how to vote, <laughs> did we? We're, I don't yeah. remember. Did we get to that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> now that's the lost episode that we were never putting out. How to vote card. Um, no, but we, you know we've gone from looking at a view of politics, and we're sort of springboarding out of that into this episode, an episode that we've talked about doing for a little while. You mm. know, amongst ourselves, we want to look at church history or the history of the Christian movement. Yeah. Over the last two yeah, thousand the years, the big story. Yeah. The big story. And I think it's. I think there's a natural flow on. Of, of the points that we've made about the Christian worldview of politics and how we are to view government mm. and everything to then going back and saying, okay, well, what did we do for the last 2,000 years? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, it, this For me, an
2: awareness of Christian history is one of the most informative things for me as a Christian mm. because it tells me... it. It informs me about the movement that I'm a part of, Yeah, where it's been, what we've learnt along the way, what the patterns are, what's important, what's not important, what works, yeah. what doesn't work. <laughs> like, I mean, we've got 2,000 years to look at and say, well, that didn't work Yeah, or we always must do this, you know, and it told us to do this in the first place and whenever we did this, it went well. You yeah. know, like, uh, so th- they're the kinds of, of lessons that you see, you know, in church history. There's also a lot of uh, disinformation out there about church history. It's one of the most this, uh, attacked things are oh, the Christian church this, the Christian church that. Yeah.
1: this And this is, the, you, you've, you've, I was about to mention the same thing. This is one of the reasons why I think an episode like this is important because th- there's, there's something about, the purity and the simplicity of a, uh, you know, of a a person getting saved in, you know, evangelical Christianity today. And we have a really, there's a beauty and a simplicity of, hey, I love Jesus. I've got my Bible. We're the community of believers. And it's all sweet. And then somebody goes, well, the early church forefathers, you know, and all of a sudden we get a little bit like, oh... Yeah, there's, there's something within me. I know as a young young Christian, for me, when somebody brought up these early church fathers or history or something like that, I almost didn't want to have anything to do yeah. with it because it felt like it was being too religious or it was some tradition that I was supposed to be following and I just wanted the purity of this relationship yeah. of here or, and now. Or,
2: or, or the other big thing that I get again and again and again from – uh, people who are in the early stages of their Christian life, and they get a bit down the road, and then they start asking, "Hang on, I'm part of a Baptist church. Yeah. Uh, what does so? What does that mean? Yes. And how is that different from a Catholic? And and how does that relate to the Anglicans and the Lutherans? And and straight away, that
1: can only be understood historically. Yes. So you know, and, and there's there's a there's a I would say a beautiful compulsion in our hearts to go. Hang on, how many denominations are there? What this can't be good. No, all the nom- denominations need to come together and be yeah. like, and we sort of get,
2: yeah. When actually, when you look at it from a historical point of view, it's kind of good that there's that diversity and that different people can do things in different ways because yeah. there have been times in history when they tried to make everyone do the same thing and follow the same guy, and yes. and it was very author- authoritarian, and that wasn't a good thing. Yeah. So, um, an awareness of history actually can be really valuable uh, so that we understand how we got to where we are um, and, uh, and, you know, what we're a part of and where we need to go from here. I
1: love it. And as far as the disinformation, the other thing that, uh, you know, the other aspect of that is – You know, and we see it always around religious holidays, whether it's Christmas or Easter. A meme will go around on Facebook or social media. Now, did you really know that the pagan roots of you know, and Jesus, and like whatever, and every time? Oh, it's the same old thing. Yes, I knew that. And you see, it's not a
2: big deal. Like seriously,
1: and you see Christians falling for it or really getting their faith shaken. Yeah. Oh, you Christians have always done this historically, and if you don't know your history. Yeah, you you're will. You know, yeah. But but if you know a little bit of history, you can actually stand up and say, actually, yeah. it didn't happen yeah. like that. Yeah. So or- for
2: example, a classic statement, and I think it was uh, Richard Dawkins, the um, famous atheist, who said Christianity was spread by the sword. Yeah. Never has there been a, a, a less true
1: statement <laughs> about the Christian movement, because. But he. And, and again, do you know that all wars. Throughout the entire world were started by the Christians. Yeah, that's right. And Christianity and religion yeah. is – and you're like, well, hey, you know, you, if you actually study, you go, hang on, this is not actually yeah. true today or true ever. Yeah, and and again,
2: that, that happens so easily and that kind of disinformation gets spread because people just don't know the facts. Yeah. They don't know, you know – History and so they just take that as a given and and even even in fairly informed I mean I've read stuff from critics people who should know better yeah and are just saying the most monstrously (laughs) untrue things about the Christian movement that Mm. uh, that have been corrected even in secular recent secular historiography and so um, yeah it's probably the first big question that we and this is one that clears a lot of the ground one one more before yes, you, before
1: you get into the foundation the one more disinformation that yeah. i think this really helps yeah. is you you mention the one side of the coin of a, of a of a passionate young believer is thinking about denominations and what does it mean and it can't yeah. be right the other side of that coin is a passionate young believer who goes oh, I'm a Baptist, well, we Baptists must be correct and everything else wrong. Yeah, that's
2: right, yeah.
1: Or I'm a whatever it is, everything else must be wrong and feeling like you're part of the only true movement. Now, a way to cure that is church history.
2: Yeah, that's right. Because you
1: realise, oh my goodness, we've got a common, there's a common church history and we can trace the line through it all and we're all part of this rich tradition. Not that, I don't want to say, kumbaya, we're all believing the same thing, let's all get together. But there's... There's a balance between these two sides. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the, the, the first really
2: important question, and I can't stress enough how important <laughs> this question is, is what actually counts as Christian history?
3: Yeah. That's now, a great question.
2: Um, I think it's really important that first of all, we recognize that we don't call things Christian that we didn't have Jesus' permission to do. <laughs> you got me? Like, let's not call things Christian that are not in line with what, with Jesus' commission. Yeah. I, e. I mean, the things that could, oh, yeah, well, the Christians, Christ, I mean, th- there's a difference between what people who called themselves Christians did. Yes. And what can rightly be called Christian. Yep.
1: Yeah, well, you Christians were involved in the uh, Crusades for two, two hundred years, three hundred years or so in the Middle Ages, yeah. and blah 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 blah. And it's like, whoa 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 yeah, Hang so, on. Okay, now,
2: and, and this is this. So let's start with a problem of history, just generally speaking. When when um, we talk about history, there's a problem with history, and it is that we we, we only have a certain amount of material to work with. Particularly yeah. the further you know, you go back, um, and Basically, you're, you're getting the sort of top crust of what was reco- – we're dealing with recorded history. Yeah. And often that came from official records of, you know, royal courts, um, uh, trade records, yes. um, official documents. And so what you actually get is the sort of top level. It's like the power plays. Yep. Um, often then uh, there, are, there are lots of bits missing. You know, that there's the famous uh, saying that, History is written by the winners. Yes, and so you don't get the the you don't get the other side of the story. Yeah. Um, so there there are lots of problems already uh, with with history uh, because we're working just with th- this one kind of crust, this sort of upper crust. Now, when it comes to Christian history, the problem here is is that Jesus said that the kingdom of God would be like yeast working its way through the dough. Mm. Now, when we think history. Naturally, I mean, you read any history books, you're going to be reading about kings and queens and battles and power struggles and wars. Now, the fact is, the Christian movement primarily lies at a grassroots level and its spread occurs at a grassroots level. It's a person-to-person thing. It's not a political movement. Yep. It, it it has outcomes in political terms uh, at, at points, yes. but it's not a political movement. So, you know, you pick up a book on church history and it talks about this king and that king and this pope and that pope, and yep. they talk about, oh, yes, the Church of England. Yes, that was started by Henry the Eighth just because he wanted to divorce his wife. And it's like, oh, no, that was just... That was just the sort of upper crust. That that you know, there, there was a whole lot of reform, grassroots reform movement around before yeah. that. That really kind of utilized his moment of ambivalence about mm-hmm. the Catholic Church to you know push through. This was our opportunity to jump in yeah. and create a situation where we can be free to actually bring about this reformation yeah. that we've been planning for hundreds of years. Yeah. So, so. Um, we, we often make the mistake of trying to find church history in the place that Jesus said the Christian movement would not occur at that level okay so it's not about kings and queens and popes and you know battles and um so that's the first thing we need to remember that jesus predicted a movement that would be primarily grassroots now that is out that's it's like the 99.9 percent of what counts as christian history is out of the eye of the historian yeah it's not recorded history you get heroes of the faith you get people that wrote things you get you know but what the experience was of the everyday person and how people came to faith. Yes, we we don't we don't really see that. M-
1: much like it is today. I mean, yeah. really, realistically, if you think about it, what is the newspapers going to be reporting on today? Yeah. It's this celebrity who gets saved, or this Christian who falls, or that yeah. church who does this. It doesn't record. Hey, Auntie <coughs> Nina yeah. got saved yesterday. From a yeah. from a ladies' Bible study yeah. that meets, I mean, right. you know, it, you don't get the yeah. gru- you don't get the it's the small most sensational
2: moments. stuff that, yes. that they pick up on, which it does not represent yeah. the heart of the movement, and uh, and so this is the problem with this desire to st- to sort of stand back and 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 look at it now. Um, uh, th- there's still enough there. I think that we can learn from, and there's plenty of writings that come out of you know the, the history of the church. And yes, so there certainly is plenty there, but uh, the mistake again is this idea to, um, and, and again, uh, probably another important distinction I want to make is the distinction between uh, Christianity in terms of the movement that Jesus uh, begins and predicts and talks about the king that this kingdom movement. Yes, and. That's Christianity and Christendom. Now I've made this, you know, even in the last, in the last, last couple, couple of episodes, episodes we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christendom is this kind of um, politicized for like nations that describe themselves as Christian. This is yeah. our now. I mean, the problem with that is that a nation can't be a Christian. Only an individual can be a Christian. Amen. Um, you know, a nation is an abstraction. It's yeah. a grouping of mm. people, and it's a fairly artificial grouping yeah. uh, of people. Mm. So at that, so. Um, so, in a sense, you know, there's there's no such thing really as a Christian nation. Only people, individual people can be Christians. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I guess we need to recognize that often when people are saying Christianity did this and Christianity did that, what they're actually referring to is Christendom. Yes. Things that power entities, yep. nations did, kingdoms did, um, uh, that were really more about politics and power yeah than you know uh, than it was about anything that Jesus ever asked anyone to so, do
1: so so then the question is well then how do we even why bother yeah how do we even look at the history of yeah. it why cuz cuz 99% of the history that you you were talking about yeah. is going to be about popes and kings and queens and yeah. you know officials decrees yeah. and things like well, that well this is this is
2: why i wanted to do this because um, I do want to point. To, I want to follow the movement. Yep. And we can actually do that uh, because one of the things that Christianity has been from the beginning is a is a is a lit. It's had a strong literary element to, to yes. it. Yes. Yes. Uh, in fact, Christians led the way. Christians created the first universities. Yep. The universities were initially within the church. Yes. You know, and when I talk about individual Christians, I'm also talking about churches. So local families of believers in, you know, and, uh, that's where the un- university started in training, uh, you know,
1: training priests yes. and, and and ministers. So, um, even, even the passion for, I mean, we've always been known as people of the book. That's right. People yep. so of the word. The, that's right. So reading, so reading, writing.
2: That's right. Yeah. And, and in fact, um, uh, one one of the patterns we'll talk about is is that the less literate and the less kind of Bible focused Christianity has been the, the it's it's caused slums it's yeah the worst yeah. it's got which is yeah. a very important trend so so I want to follow the movement and the interesting thing uh, I mean the the the, f- the first stage really of Christianity is is a, a really a remarkable stage. Yeah. Um, and it's the and it's the it's the stage that completely refutes Richard Dawkins' statement about Christianity spread by the sword. Yeah. Now, when I, I'm not see Dawkins, when he says that, I think he's referring to to the Crusades, yes. something like the Crusades, which is a complete misunderstanding because the Crusades was never an evangelistic thing. No. They never sought to convert no. uh, Islam. What what the, the Crusades was really an attempt to. Um, uh, Lots of Westerners were going on on pilgrimage down into, uh, into well, I, the Middle East.
1: I reckon we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. I, let's I reckon get we'll there. get yeah. there. I reckon don't get don't get tied up with that. I reckon let's yeah, start okay. at the beginning because so, it's going to make sense as we get yeah, there. Okay. Why well, why we jump have to... into
2: the middle? So yeah. thanks for <laughs> keeping me on track. So and and actually that gets me back to my point because my point is is that is that the the first decisive spread of Christianity really the decisive spread is in that first three or, three or four hundred years. Yeah, um, and. Uh, and this is a, a movement that begins in Jerusalem. Uh, we, we have the story of the book of Acts, where b- already by Acts, it's spread throughout to Italy, to yep. what today is Italy, Turkey. Yes. Um, it's spread to the east. Uh, even within the apostles' lifetime, it spread as far as India. Mm-hmm. Uh, it spread down into, into Africa. Into Africa uh, all the way to Spain. Yeah.
1: Um, so... Even, and, and, and even within the first couple couple hundred years it was it was getting up into some of the bigger parts of Europe as yeah, well. yeah that's right out to England yeah. and up up into other, yeah, other that's regions.
2: Right. and and one of the one of the re- remarkable things and this is a point that mark Knoll uh, makes um, uh, h- historian who was at Princeton um, r- really great Christian historian actually yeah. and, and I would recommend mark Knoll's book N O L L mark a Knoll Turning Points is a great book on history because it, it focuses on key moments. You know, if you're if you're one that just gets a bit overwhelmed by lots of detail, <laughs> he just tells key stories of key turning points in the history of the church. We'll
1: have the link in the show notes. Yep. So um,
2: Mark Knoll points out that the thing about the, the Christian movement uh, that enabled its spread uh, is, and, and I mean, he's in the book that I read is particularly talking about the last probably 50 to 100 years where the Christian movement has experienced a larger geographical spread than any other time in history. A lot of people don't realise this. Uh, But uh, he, he accounts for that uh, due to the translatability of the message, it's always been something that translated well into different cultures because yeah. it didn't belong to one nationality. It has right. this way of transcending politics. Na- I mean, in the light of the last episode, yeah. it should transcend politics, nationalism, yes. every ism. It
1: should trans- transcend those. Yeah. It's not It's not dependent. It crosses on, boundaries. Yeah, it's it, other, different from other religions. It doesn't have uh, holy sites that are dependent yeah, that's right. on, on being part of it. You don't have to be a particular race of person. Yeah. Um, all it depends on is understanding and reading for yourself and believing for yourself the, the, the message that is passed yeah, on by the apostles. That's right. And it's,
2: it's essentially the first, this first sort of, uh, faith system to really do that, yeah. you know, and, and, and possibly even the only one yeah, because all others are, are very, I mean, um, uh, Islam, for example, is very much an Arabic yes. thing, you yep. know, and yep. and it's not seen as as um, at all the thing to do to translate the Quran. It's you know, it's yeah. it's an Arabic, very much an Arabic uh, faith. Um, uh, that came out of a conversation I have with someone. I'd love to get on this sh- uh, show. Um, uh, Bernie Powers a colleague at MST I think that'll be coming up shortly uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll have to get we'll get we'll get Bernie on and do uh, do a show on that so by contrast uh, early islam very much did spread by the by, by the sword and mm-hmm. and when we talk to Bernie we will talk you know we can talk about that what's remarkable about the early church movement is that uh, within 300 years it has this amazing spread yeah. throughout the Roman Empire and beyond even the borders of the Roman Empire. Now,
1: it's, it's, it's important, again, we don't want to get too bogged down in any one particular era. We want to yeah, really, yeah. you know, we yeah, could do an entire series for yeah, years yeah. On, on church history, and there's great podcasts and yeah. videos and everything out there. But it's so important when Paul talks about, you know, Christ coming at the right time, Yeah, the Roman period... That Christ was born in, yeah. and the early church took foothold yeah. in, was an amazing, unique time in history. Yeah, that was able to give us what we have today. Yeah, Roman
2: transportation, communication, um, common
1: yeah, common language. Yeah, trade
2: even, routes everywhere. Even where they were, and this is the this is the thing about that the importance of where the land even was. Yeah. It was at the crossroads. Yeah. Of the ancient world it's in many ways. No, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Jerusalem, even to this day, Israel, you know, is not the East. It's not the West. It's yeah. where it meets. Yeah. And that's where Christianity was born. It's not an Eastern religion. It's not a Western religion as yeah, much as people right. would love to, be, you yeah. know, believe that it's, you yeah. know, you know, the West type of thing. But it was born in the middle yeah. and it's spread around the yeah. world. So the thing, so, so pretty much
2: you get this, As I said, you get this early spread. Once um, Jerusalem is destroyed in 70 AD, this is a very important moment. Yes. uh, And I'm going to point out very significant moments. Right. The destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of the Jewish people in uh, 70 AD also... Uh, I mean, wiped out many of the people in the land. The Christians, of course, being forewarned by Jesus about this, uh, they got out of there, and so there was that. That caused more, even more spread. So it decentralised it because it meant that, um, even though there was still some emphasis on the places, as you said before, um, Christianity is not wedded to any one place. No, Uh, it's it's. It's about the whole earth yeah. um, and God's plans for the whole world. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it, it spreads out. And you've got these communities uh, all over the Roman Empire. Now, one of the problems um, with the movement that, that the movement faces, as it grew, when you've got groups of people meeting together in the Roman Empire, I mean, the Jews had done this to some extent. But as the church grows, this looks really problematic for the Romans. Exactly. See, in 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 the and for cup for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, the, the Romans believed that it was their gods and the loyalty to the Roman gods that gave Rome its ascendancy. Yeah. And so, to not any for a group of people to not worship Roman gods this might anger the gods, it will cause them to lose battles, yep. it will cause the crumbling of the empire. So, this this was an issue. The other thing that was an issue was in Roman, uh, Greco-Roman religion, as in most pagan uh, religions you know, up to that time, you would go and make offerings at the temple, but they didn't gather congregations. Um, you went to a temple, you didn't belong to a temple. Yes. Or, or, um, so, as a very big part of the christian movement was gathering and cre- and creating congregations yep. you know the actual churches is mm. very very key to this yep. local church families mm. um and this which, was a which, problem for the Romans.
1: Yeah, which for the couple hundred first couple hundred years, were meeting in people's homes. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, you and know, well, well, homes often
2: homes would get they would start in people's homes, and then those homes would be like donated to yeah. the church, yeah. and and they were and so and it was usually the richer people who could afford to donate yeah, that's to right. homes or had
1: the homes big enough for a hundred people to sit. Yeah, in and, that's right.
2: Know. Yeah, and so there there are you know you can there are various places where you see uh, homes. Actually, have been converted. In fact, um, the, one of the oldest is in Capernaum, mm. is what what is probably Peter's house, which clearly looks like it's been it was converted. expanded and converted into a meeting place. Wow. Um, and uh, and if you come on a tour with me to Israel, you will go <laughs> and look at that. Um, but so, yeah, so, so you get this. So you can imagine, you know, the Romans who are uh, Roman powers. Uh, Who are quite paranoid about large groups of people meeting, Yeah, (laughs) you know, I I mean, so so they don't want people meeting together and so there was always this tension there and at periodically throughout the first 300 years and the reason why I'm talking about the first 300 years because there's a moment uh, where where something changes here. so you, you get these waves of persecution. You, know, yes. you get the first major persecution. The first pu- persecutions are from the, are from the, the Jewish community against uh, Christians. So the first persecution under Saul, who became Paul, of yep. course. We read about this in the Book of Acts. That's right. And that's all in the Book of Acts. But after that, you get
1: these systemic uh, Roman persecutions. Um, and we got you got to understand the reason why this. Again, it's a two two sided coin. Jesus and the, and the early church spread in this amazing moment of history where Rome had conquered the known world, and the message could spread. But the reason why the message could spread and they had conquered it is because they were a highly engineered group of belief. Yeah, how they yeah, worked everything. Right. Everything was very strict in how they how they managed it all. Yeah, that's right. And like Jesus predicted, this is this little tiny movement within it all. That is somehow subverting yeah, this right. this yeah. big thing, and and so th- there there were these
2: constant and it, and it wasn't constant persecution. A lot of people think first strategy no. is just constant persecution. No. There were intermittent, very severe severe moments of persecution. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and so, then and
1: then he, and then like an entire you know fifty years, seventy years, six yeah. years, generation where ev- they were sort of forgotten. Yeah, that's okay, right. Okay, whatever. And they, they did, on the
2: whole, they did the things that Jesus told them to do. And this is a key thing. It's like...
3: This what, is the theme yeah, of Christian what, what, history. Yeah.
2: You know, when we do what Jesus told us to do, <laughs> the movement spreads as Jesus said it would spread. Yeah. You know, and this is the... and. And this is exactly what happened. They would have thought that turning the other cheek mm. and, and you know, not picking up the sword and, and spread... They they would have thought spreading by the sword, that's a common sense word. Let's do yeah. it like this, yeah. you know. But Jesus told them not to. No one would have thought that was a good idea, but it was the very thing that actually uh, caused Christianity to spread in a way that Judaism never, ever was able to do. I mean, it, the, the story of this movement is one of the greatest historical anom- anomalies it's interesting reading secular historians who try and work this out yeah and they're looking at this movement thing how In the on world. earth did yeah. this
1: movement spread so quickly A ragtag group yeah. of just and they come up with you all know, yeah the, the you know d- the desperate you know depressed group of these poverty-stricken <laughs> yeah. losers yeah you know, sitting in this little room together, all of a sudden, within you know, within yeah. a, a generation, it's a major concern.
2: Yeah, that's right. And
1: then, and then the after three
2: hundred years, it, it's more or less taken over the, the well. Empire. Well, let's get to that three hundred yep. year point. You yep. know, because like, this okay. is a turning point. Good. So, I, 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 there's just one thing I want to say about the character of the early church movement. Yeah. So, so they are, um, they are. As I said, they're doing the things that Jesus told them to do. They're not retaliating. Yes. Um, when they get persecuted, they, they don't deny their faith. They But they, you know, they're... they're I mean, the, the suffering of these Christians and the testimony through that. Yeah. I mean, really, people are looking at this thinking, man, they're not just throwing this away willy-nilly when yeah. it gets hard. Th- there must be something going on here. Secondly, the Christian church in the squalor of ancient cities well, like a mini welfare state. Mm. You know, Jesus says, uh, talks about Good Samaritan and loving your neighbor. And if, you know, yeah. when I was hungry, you yes. gave me something to eat. And so during times of disease and plague, the Christians basically, you know, Christianity is really the hospital as well. And uh, they're doing things that people never did before. Uh, And uh, it was sort of every man for himself before, but now you've got this movement that is actively reaching out and caring for the poor, for the sick. This is having a massive effect. By the the time you get to the end of the third century, end of the 200s, you've got the most um, extreme persecution uh, really um, mandated by the uh, by the powers that be and you know were implemented by the military but not participated in on the whole by the populace because by this stage the populace thinking man these people have helped us and, yeah. and they they'd really won they'd really won people over and yeah. so
1: I hear what the government's telling yeah. me about the christians yeah. but my christian neighbors yeah. they fed us when nobody else that's would right fed, then, or they looked after yeah. us or they sat, you know they did this and they've yeah. been nothing but good to that's us. right and the other the other
2: amazing thing is and you, it's hard to overstate how countercultural this movement actually mm. was never before had you had sitting at this because initially they when they met they sat around a literal table yeah communion was sitting around a table and you had slave men women Jews Gentiles yes. uh, Africans Greeks yes. Romans yep. everyone uh, slave free Free upper class, lower class, all yeah. sitting at the same table. Yeah. First time ever anywhere that yeah. had ever happened. Yeah. You know, so so you get this movement that puts all people on an equal footing. Uh, you get this movement where, um, and uh, one of the, I mean, one of the most impacting reads again from a non-Christian author that that t- talks a lot about this stuff is uh, Rodney Stark's books. Yeah, um, Rodney Stark's The Triumph of Christianity. Um, I like the fact that it was written from a non-Christian point of view. This is a this in this isn't a sort of pat, pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, uh, this is a guy who's. Trying to look at this from a naturalistic perspective, and, yes. and he points out a lot of these uh, really countercultural elements. You know, mm. the the elevation of women uh, in the church. Interestingly, because the church often gets blamed with the subjugation of women, yep. when actually historically it was the very opposite. Yeah. And uh, if you go to the catacombs today and do the tour, um, you'll you'll see you know pictures of women praying in the church, and the mm. tour guides will point out how absolutely countercultural that was, and mm. you know, women are bared uh, were bared buried with equal commemorations and yep. all these sorts of things. So you get this movement that is uh, is advocating a, a kind of equality of all people under God that had never been really proclaimed before. So it becomes powerful, you know, this powerful movement for all these reasons. Finally, even the nobility are becoming Christians. Uh, part of the nobility, you know, you get uh, the, the mother of, uh, of… The emperor. The emperor, essentially. The Roman emperor, Um yep. Who and and then and then in very famously in 312 is one of our turning points. Yeah. Uh, Constantine, who uh, who was the emperor of Rome, uh, himself professes to be a Christian.
1: Now let's take a let's let's press pause right there because this is a major turning yeah. point, and I, I think we can you know I think we've set the scene really well of the early church. Yeah. What is Christian history and why we're looking at it. And now from this point onwards it's going to get yeah. it's going to get a little yeah. bit confusing from here on in. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more about the history of the church and Christianity here on Thrive Perspectives. through Thrive Perspectives 21, and please don't fast forward or skip ahead because I've got a very special offer just for you, and this is the last time we're going to be offering it on any of the podcasts. Now, as you know, the whole Thrive Podcast family extends out of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide that Matthew has been writing for years now. And a lot of you listen, don't actually subscribe to the actual Thrive Daily Reading Guide. And that's fine. That's fine. But if you've been sitting on the fence or thinking, oh man, I can't afford it coming up to Christmas, well... Just call me Santa Claus because I want to give you a free copy. That's right. We want to give you your very own copy of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. It can be all yours. All you need to do is open up your web browser and you can do that right now. You can follow along with me. Open up your web browser. I don't care if it's a Internet Explorer, Google Chrome or a Firefox, whatever you've got there. Open it up and head over to Thrive Today. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. Once you've loaded that page, scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little offer there about the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. You can get your very own Thrive Daily Reading Guide and it'll say learn more. Click on that learn more button and that takes you to our online store. You'll see the different versions that you can get of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. I want you to look at the very latest one, the current edition, whether it's a physical copy or an electronic copy, select that. And if you're in Australia, you've got your choice of either a physical copy or the electronic copy. Everywhere else in the world, if you're outside of Australia, we would love to give you an electronic version just for you for free. All you do is select the version that you want, the physical copy or the electronic copy, and use the coupon code, perspectives. That's right. Use the coupon code perspectives. You might have to use a spell check to make sure you've spelled it right, but perspectives there, use that coupon code and you will be able to get that for free, sent to you for free. In Australia, a physical copy of the current edition of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. It's taking you through the gospel of Luke through this month in December and all the way through to January 2021. We'd love to send you that copy for free or get the electronic version that you can read on your Kindle, on your any device that you've got there, you can use that as well. So if you've got any problems in doing that or using the coupon code, please let us know. You can contact us at thrivetoday.tv. That's our Christmas offer to you. Isn't that exciting? All right, let's get back into church history overview with me and Matt here on Thrive Perspectives, episode 21. It's DJ and your good buddy Matthew Jacoby here as we are looking at the history of the church and the history of Christianity. Matt, you've just mentioned, I think, probably the the biggest, biggest turning point mm. in Christian history, which is, I think, 312 AD. I, I don't want to overstate... <laughs>
2: I don't want to overstate this because, again, everything grows very gradually. We remember what I said about, you know, what counts as the Christian movement. Mm -hmm. But there's this very important thing that happens for uh, for the Christian Church that has quite a big impact from this point on, Mm -hmm. and that is the conversion of of Constantine,
1: Uh, which is he is the most powerful man on the planet. Yeah, that's right. And and
2: he's actually was one of the most powerful of all of the Roman. Empress. Yeah. Okay, so um, so Constantine becomes a Christian. He doesn't mandate. He doesn't make the empire Christian. That's going to happen uh, under later under Justinian. He's going to declare uh, the state in religion. The 380s, he's going to just declare it the state religion. Um, but Constantine uh, professes to be a Christian. He also uh, legalizes Christianity. He but he even sort of favours Christianity, gives a lot of property to the church. You've got a lot of um, government buildings that are become used as churches. That even the the actual uh, the uh, some of the earliest churches initially, um, and you can go to them if you go in in Rome and so yeah. forth are actually originally probably government uh, buildings. buildings you know. Yeah. and that he is the emperor. That, that, has, they yeah. were, they were converted, so they were. Um you know, they were sort of civic buildings uh and and to this day we, we use the same sort of uh the same kind of design to now, some extent.
1: Now here's 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 a curly question for you, and I've heard many opinions either way. Do you think he was actually a Christian? Do you think he actually converted well, yeah. or was he a politician that went I can use this movement?
2: Yeah. I think um I think he was Probably a bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both. <laughs> How, you can't really. It's hard to answer. We that question, don't know. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, in some ways, it doesn't matter really, mm-hmm. um, because certainly the results and, and the effect of it was that this change that Christianity suddenly becomes very powerful. Yeah. So it suddenly has a lot of worldly power. Now at this point, you've got probably a lot of Christians that say, "Oh, great! We've got lots of worldly power. It's going to go great guns from now on." Yeah. The interesting thing is this is the beginning of the growth curve flattening out.
3: Yeah.
1: Well there's but- a, there's a, the, we we should say we should say you know Okay, positive and negative, right? Yeah. Positive, negative yeah. for this next period of time. Especially, yeah. I'm going to say, and I don't know where you want to go with this, but for the next couple of hundred years, from yeah. around 300 to 500, yeah, it a- actually that. still goes. It's still pretty good, actually, for the, for this next couple of yeah, hundred the, years. Yeah, the next couple of hundred years, still pretty good because you've got all of a sudden peace. Yeah. you've got some wealth. You've got a generation. Yeah. You know, you've you've got the church still growing. Yeah, and now with a bit of peace. You know the, the the thinkers and the bishops and the leaders and the pastors of the churches can get together and go, well, actually, let's put some stuff yeah, down on paper. Yeah. Let's actually There's lots of great stuff that happens in this. Let's in actually, this what, yeah. what do we actually believe? You know, yeah. there's great you know creeds and yeah. doctrines being able to be put yeah. forward, but yeah. So,
2: so so the 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 problems drift in slowly. slowly yeah, you know, and um, and one of the one of the problems is that. Uh, particularly once Christianity becomes the official religion of the empire, it, the, the, the difference between what it means to be a Christian and the, the Christian-non-Christian divide becomes really sort of smudged and, and so you get, uh, you get this loss of sort of a distinct Christian identity, which you certainly had in the earlier stages because if you became a Christian, you were risking everything to mm-hmm. become a Christian. Yeah. So it was really clear you know it was a very vitalized church it, you you were only involved if if, it, if you really were serious about it yeah and and when you got involved you stuck to the plan yeah but now you've got anyone and everyone you know that can call themselves a christian and and do anyone and anything
1: and um it it goes from one one i once heard this this you know this point talking about church this early part of church history it went from under the heavy persecution this is where we get sign, you know, the, the, some of the earliest Christian symbols, yeah. the symbol of the fish, the symbol of different in the things. Early stage, yeah, in that early stage of the church, because these signs were like a secret handshake. Yeah. It was a code. Yeah. yeah. Because if you came out too publicly and said I'm a Christian or a Christ follower, you could be in you could be yeah. into really big trouble. So these early symbols and early you know secret yeah. secret movements and yeah. stuff like that. It went from that, that within a within a generation. You then had Constantine. Painting crosses on the shields of the army, yeah. saying "Under this symbol, we will conquer yeah. the world." Yeah, that's right. And uh, th- the drastic difference of that is unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um,
2: it 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 wasn't it wasn't such a good thing that well it certainly wasn't a good thing that it became mandated like it it's just not needed you you know to mandate that and to outlaw paganism that's what you know during justinian's time a lot of people think that constantine did that but he he actually didn't do that um he again being the politician he did think that christianity was the best faith to unite the empire he was concerned with uniting the empire yes yes um uh a lot of romans still held on to the traditional gods and even and and that's what you know someone like justinian tries to uh tries blend. to just well he he constantine tried to do a blend as you get later in the, in you know around 380 and you you, you get this um Desire. Well, let's just make let's try and stamp all that out by really? force. Okay, yeah, you do yeah. start to get a bit of that, and that just doesn't help, mm. uh, really. You, you do get a you get a um, uh, Julian Emperor Julian uh, tries to go back, take things back because the, the the empire is starting to look pretty unhealthy, yes, um, and starting to crumble, and so you get a bit of a reversion back to the Roman gods. Already, when in four ten, when the when Rome fell. uh, Augustine is writing City of God and he's answering people who are saying this is because we abandoned the Roman gods, that Rome has fallen. And he's saying no, it's because you followed those gods and were completely dysfunctional and and because of all the power struggles and if we would have, you know, we would have done much better if we would have… You know, followed the path of peace and the path of Christ, and so forth.
1: Now, in this period of uh, of peace, yeah, uh, you know, in this in this three hundred to five hundred, and I'm, I'm, and I'm yep. being very vague here yep. and big picture here. There's two big seats of Christian power. Yeah, there's the the Christians in Rome. Yeah, you know the, that's where everything. I mean, that's where the government power is. Everything yep. there, and then there's the Christians. They're, they're the Christians of the West. Yeah, then we have the Christians of the East. In you know what we would call nowadays is Turkey.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, present day Turkey. So, so what became Constantinople? Because Constantine moved the the capital. Yes. Uh, to uh, to Constantinople. So you start to get this east west, uh, an Eastern Church and a Western Church. Mm. Now, once Rome falls, the interesting thing is um, that the, the this creates a kind of power vacuum. So you get a. the 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 scene the former roman empire breaks up into lots of statelets yeah and by this stage because there's some marvelous i mean we talk about 300 to 500 there really is some amazing things that happen during this time and one of the great things that happens lots of missionary movement uh going out you know Mm. and uh you know from from which has happened from the start so uh this is largely successful. So already, you get a lot of these tribes that came down, even that attacked Rome, were actually already been influenced by by the gospel. Wow! And so uh, you, you get uh, after the fall of Rome, you get this you get a, a church that sort of fills the power vacuum, and suddenly the Pope finds himself uh, to be something of an earthly ruler. Yeah, uh, and has this really um, this incredible power and. Uh, And and a big sway over the political
1: powers. And and and
2: we're painting broad strokes here. Hmm. Um, It's partly actually that because the more powerful the Pope becomes, um, it it creates this division between East and West because he's saying, hey, I'm the man. And and it's, it's not clear that there was ever to be one... You know, one guy in charge of it all. The bishop really. of Rome yeah. will set the course. That's right. For- it was all about local bishops, and yeah. and, and they did have you know, bishops in the that that oversaw areas. But yeah. uh, there was it was never it was never clear that it was just about one guy that runs the whole thing. But but once once the pope becomes quite powerful. You know, he wants to consolidate the whole movement uh, under under the rule of this one guy, and this kind of in the East, there's a lot of resistance to this. Yeah, and so that's where you start to get this tension between the patriarch, as he was known uh, in the East in Constantinople, and the Pope in Rome. Yeah. Uh, you start to get this tension.
1: And so for these. us today, the, the 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 really shorthand, and it's a lot more complicated <laughs> yeah, yeah. than this. But we basically have the division now of the of the church, yeah. of of the Christian movement. Between this ch- Roman Church, yeah. the Church in Rome of the West, yeah. and the Popes, and what is what we would con- yeah. call now the Orthodox Church yeah. of the East, uh, you know, based over here with, with different bishops, they basically split apart because the Orthodox Church says one man shouldn't have all this power. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, one man shouldn't have all this power. As in the Pope should not be. This is yeah. not biblical. Yeah, this is not right. how we practice it. Yeah. So we get our first split. Yeah, that's really? right. And it doesn't this the this the
2: split as such isn't really formalized until uh, just before eleven hundred. Yeah. Um, so it takes yeah it takes a while for that split to Take formalize. It hundreds of years. But, but when it does happen, they excommunicate each other. It's yeah. really it gets you know it gets really ugly. So you get this, and, and this is what happens, and this is where Christian history becomes problematic because the the church becomes um, at at intervals, and and there are intervals because there are re- some really good popes. Yeah. Um, there's from this point on, there's this sort of tension between the, the the sort of Church of Power and the Church of Piety. There is still there is still a, a strong movement, a strong Christian movement. I mean, it's there are great monastic movements. uh, There are evangelistic movements. There are grassroots people movements. And we don't know a lot about these movements because a lot of the focus goes on the the power struggles that are happening uh, up in the upper echelons of society. But Mm. there there are movements creating influential people, some of whom at times become Pope. Uh, And so you get moments of of piety. Mm. But there are many popes who were really just politicians yeah and who came into the papal office that were not even really trained they're more trained in law and and so forth and they are incredibly corrupt and, and you get the church at, at, at its most corrupt and at its worst.
1: And so this is what we would call historically the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages are yep. split up into, yep. mul- into multiple times. Yep. The earliest part of the Middle Ages we call the Dark Ages. Right. You know, that first yep. three to four hundred years. We don't have a lot of history in a lot of this. There's some pretty dark stuff that happens, mostly because under the, especially, you know, the Roman way of thinking of it, but some to the orthodox as well. I'd love your opinion on this, Matt. There seems to be a great separation now between the idea of a learned priesthood yeah. that is learning this language, can yeah. speak this type of thing, and the everyday Joe in the you know in yeah. the town is totally yeah. disconnected from the Word of God. From yeah, being right. able to read it for themselves, and from being able to sort of enter into the in, into yeah, the right. life of the uh, life that's of right. the church,
2: so it's one of the one of the problems during the Middle Ages is the disconnection from, you know, the church becomes seen as this institution that sort of dispenses grace, yeah. and and people you sort of come it, it actually begins to look more like what I said about Roman temples, yeah. it's something that you go to. You get your blessing. You offer your sacrifice. You get your blessing, and then you go off. It's not about creating uh, congregations so much, and, yeah. and this is this is essentially what you get. You get the chur- churches. Church buildings being built up, and they and they are treated a bit more like temples, yes. where the sacrifices, the sacrifice of Christ, is offered in the Mass. You you get your communion, and you go away, and you you sort of right. So, it's it's a it becomes a paganized form of Christianity. And what what you get during this time is a real decline in the centrality of of the Word yes. and of preaching. Uh, most clergy don't have not even read the bible yeah. they just learn the mass
1: they run the mass they dispense it but at the same time while that is happening and this is because and why yeah, and, yeah. and part of the picture they become this is the this is the peak most powerful period yeah. for the for the pope and for the church like around about you know 1000 uh you know you know 1100 type of things like that all kings and queens are coming to the pope yeah. and the pope is Controlling Europe. Yeah. Okay. So let me say something about that. So from from the period of of, of
2: Charlemagne, so you're getting this um, period from about you know the 700s onwards, where the popes are anointing the kings. Yeah. The popes, you know, the, the, church the church is the church is the is the kingmakers. Yeah. And so you get the rise of Christendom. Yes. I mean, you already you, you've already got this. As soon as uh, Justinian talks about the Roman Empire being a Christian empire, you've yes. already got the beginning of Christendom there. Now, yep. And by Christendom, I mean uh, the politicized Chris. Christ- Christianity is a politicized yep. uh, sort of thing. So, um, and you know, you get these Christian nations and Christian empires, and um, and this, you know, th- this is really problematic. Mm. You know, Cute, because they're, they're going into battle and they're, I mean, in in the name of Christ and, and
1: all sorts of things are done in the name of Christianity. There's really just Christendom. Yeah. Well, in the, in, then you have that period from about, I think it's about from about 1200, you yeah. know, type of thing is when we get the Crusades. That's right. Uh, you know, and again, the other thing that's happening in the world that's, power.
2: Yeah, just uh, let's go back a couple of, so... Um, 1095 yes. uh, Crusades yeah
1: uh, for proclaimed. a period of about yeah. two, two to 300 years yeah two to 300 years there's generations right. going in and out it wasn't like a constant thing there's multiple waves of it uh, it's yeah. very political it's uh, fighting um, you know it's Islam taking over the, the Holy Land let's say we're fighting for the Holy Land was it you know yeah. there's it, other reasons it, why yeah. it's happening and,
2: and it was look it, it was political um, but for hundreds of years leading up to the Crusades um the, you know pilgrims from the west had been been repeatedly um uh killed and harassed and you know i mean the, yeah. the, there's in, in a sense um there'd been this kind of ongoing problem that finally boiled up into into this movement yes. you know the crusades it's not not saying that that was the right thing to do but it was quite uh it's normal, messy, yeah. Kind of normal yeah. uh, politics from the yes. ancient world, but it has very little to do with the Christian movement. with the Christian movement. Very, it, very, nothing to do with what Jesus had in mind when he started this movement. It's no. not like go and take up the sword and win back these places. As though the places really matter. No. Even
1: no, exactly, exactly. And that's what that's it was. It was about political power, but positive things that came out of it. Are there anything? Yes. Because there were genuine believers who were going with the Crusades to the Holy Lands, yep. and they're bringing back cultural—you know—they're bringing back manuscripts. Yep. They're bringing back and and this idea because at the at, you know at that period of time and there was the you know the Middle Ages it was the Dark Ages for a lot of people. Yep. They lived and died in the in the in the same house that their grandfather yep. you know in, in these little villages, and it was it was very you know. A very small world view, but out of the Crusades, these everyday people were going in and doing these pilgrimages, horrible stuff happening. Don't yeah. I'm not trying to make light of anything that's happening here, but all of a sudden, you know, manuscripts are coming back, yeah. you know, artifacts are coming back. Yeah. People are beginning to think about it. People are thinking about, you know, what they're actually doing. And out of this, out of the twelve hundred, you know, 1300s and stuff like this, we get people thinking about what is happening in the faith, what is happening yep. in the church and stuff like that. And there's a lot of reasons why. Yeah,
2: that's right. So, uh, as throughout this period, there's this, as I said, there's this tension between the church of piety and the church of power. And so, there's this constant reforming desire in there. Mm. Um, now... Uh, this increases the more corrupt the church gets. You get this reforming voice in the church that yep. it gradually increases, with, uh, you know, with the discovery of Matt. I mean, the, the the Bible had always been there. Yeah, um, they'd always had the Latin Vulgate, which had been the official Bible at the time. There, there's more interest, though. Um, you know, as once we move into the Renaissance, the Renaissance period created a lot of interest in getting back to the sources and yes. you know getting back to the roots and, yeah. and and all of that came out of the
1: lot of the travel that happened around yeah, look, the Crusades. There was a lot of times. travel. Yeah, 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 that's
2: right. A lot of that comes out of, out of a lot of that travel and so forth. And um, and one of the movements through that is about getting back to the sources of the Bible. Let's yeah. let's get. Uh, and and it, it becomes part of this reforming movement. So you get these movements that of preachers that uh, that want to translate the Bible that uh, that they, they want to get back to the gospel, um, and you get these movements of preachers moving around. Uh, you get people like Jan Hus in in what's today's Czechoslovak- Czechoslovakia. Yep. Uh, you get Wycliffe. You get yeah, Wycliffe John Wycliffe yeah. who who produces the first English translation. Yeah. Uh, of uh of the bible
1: and we are talking around about thir- in the 1300s 1400s around there yeah that's right so if, yeah that's right uh, from the, particularly from the
2: 131400s you get this these reform movements that that are kind of bubbling away and and within, you know, within monasteries like amongst the Augustinians, there, yes. there there's there's this reforming movement, this interest in scripture. Now they're so wanting
1: forth. to. It's very important, and we're fast running out of time here, Matt. Which I knew would happen with this episode. Uh, they're wanting to reform because at the height of this political power, yeah, that the that the Pope and the and the Western Church has, you know, yep. the Roman Catholic Church you know, though there are gospel movements happening all the way through history, yeah. you know, God has left had, had, had a remnant moving. Yeah. Even within the Roman Catholic Church, as you're saying, there are monks, there are priests. Oh, yeah. It's there all are, over the place. Th- there are people in here going, hang on, this is not right because it's getting to the place where, you know, Indulgences are being sold. Yep. Purgatory is now a, a, a thing, you know, the yep. Pope's word is is saying different things. We have absolutely corruption going on in the church yep. and financial things yep. that are that are totally against what the word of yep. God has said. And those priests, monks, fathers, whatever you yep. want to call them, brothers who are actually spending time in the word of God are going, hang on a minute. Yep. Hang on a minute. That's right. And it's happening all over the place. So by the time we get
2: to Martin Luther. In uh, 1517. That's right. So 1517 is when Martin Luther posts his protest to the church door. And it's
1: it's important to point out, he didn't come out of a vacuum. That's right. He is a Roman Catholic uh, monk. He's an Augustinian monk.
2: That's right. So um, it's not like that was the first time anyone ever thought of that. Because I think sometimes we just think it's this sudden thing that happens. <laughs> no, it it, it it the movement had always been there. Bubbling it's just up that and now yeah, yeah. The, the, the the circumstances were right for that to spread. So, for example, the printing press had just been uh, invented. So yeah. now you could actually spread, you could get a Bible to everyone. Yeah. You could get Bibles all over the place, okay? Yeah. Uh, you could also get other... Um, uh, uh, literature out there yeah. uh, you could uh, Educa- you
1: education be, for, for for people that's, is, right. Is on an upswing. that's right
2: you've got um and, and this is the case particularly in germany you've got german princes that really dislike the uh the sort of jurisdiction level of jurisdiction that the pope has in mm-hmm. their lands yeah. uh who were just looking for an excuse to uh you know um uh turn away from the pope so uh they're interested in you know and and again martin luther can do what he does because he has the protection of frederick the great yeah. who protects him and uh, and of course then you have got the printing press and so so you've got the right kind of circumstance this is the same thing in england with the reformation in england you you have this re- re- reforming movement there in england for ages for hundreds of yeah. years before yeah um but the the situation with henry the who was a really ardent catholic by the way a strong yes. defender of catholicism mm. but um, you know, has a quarrel with the pope one day. Is yep. a bad-tempered guy. Has a yep. quarrel with the pope, and and a lot of people say, "Ah, oh, yeah, the church." You know, again, that Church of England just started because he got got his uh knickers in a knot about the what uh, you know the about wife, wanting to divorce yeah, his yeah, wife. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. No. No. The reform movement would be there. They just took advantage yes. of that political situation yeah. to break away from the the Catholic Church and yeah. and to do what they'd always wanted to do.
1: So, and it wasn't a clean break. Again, it's not like this moment of history happens and everything. Yeah, well, it clean. went back to Catholicism, yeah. and then in you England know, and Germany and different places, yeah. we have tides coming back and forth. We have people coming back in, in and out of power. But the moment we make a big deal about Martin Luther and the and 1517, you know, and him, him, you know. Nailing his the- his his yeah. thesis his, on the door is the fact that he the fact that. That's an easy place for us to say, you know what? That was the match that finally, yeah, that's right, ignited yeah. a lot. Yeah, right. Hundreds of years of people saying this is yeah, going to
2: stop. That's right. And so that was his protest, and that became known as the protestant protest, you know, protestant protest, movement. Pro- yeah, yeah. yeah, it was the protest movement. So, and and it was uh, it was wanting to get back to the Bible, uh, you know, the Bible only. Bible is the final authority. We don't want all this stuff added. You know, it's not the Pope's. You know, all the stuff. That popes and church councils had added to the Bible. We're yeah. going to strip all that back. We're going to get back to the simple biblical faith. Yeah. You know that was that was what the reformers wanted to do. Let's get back to that.
1: And and we have to and we have to admit that that influence. I mean, we are here as, as that's right. Yeah, we, yeah, that's right. Because of that, but also the influence of the Protestant movement into the Roman Catholic Church yeah. had a massive effect. Yeah, that's right. They had to reform they realized we better reform ourselves yeah. and they did. They, yeah, they reformed did, yeah. they reformed themselves. Yeah. Yeah, so um so you get
2: that one of the things though that didn't change so, so you get this um, this protestant movement but it it immediately gets nationalized. So you get protestant nations. Yes. And Catholic. you get Catholic nations. <laughs> and as soon as you get that, then they start fighting each other. And you yep. get the 40 Years' War, mm. uh, which ends in the Peace of uh, Westphalia, which I think is 1640s. Somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, 1648, yep. I think it is. Um, when, uh, you know, you, you, you get this sort of moment where where that's kind of put to be – but nothing is – it's all still split up. Yep. There was this 40 years of absolutely decimated Europe. Yeah everyone by that stage is a bit sick of the whole thing you know and so there's actually a bit of a turn away from uh, well it's a turn away from christianity but actually it's a reaction against christendom and this yes. is the difference because what wasn't working was that you know uh, catholics fighting protestants and
1: it was it was christendom at war with itself yeah and and, let, and let, let's and we need to be really honest here you know, there was horrible things done in the name of of Jesus Christ in the church yep. all the way through. We as Protestants love to point the finger and say, you know, look at the Inquisitions and the horrible things that the Roman Catholic yep. Church done. But in that period, you know, in that couple of hundred years where um, nations were Protestant or nations were Catholics, under the name of the Protestant movements, there was a lot of horrible things yeah. done to yeah. others as well. Yeah, you can know. I say that? that, that-
2: that gets overplayed a lot. That yes. You know, the Inquisition is is just the – it gets caricatured uh, so much. Yes. And what, one of the things – and this is another thing that, that was valuable uh, about Rodney Stark's uh, The Triumph of Christianity. Mm. He he draws on a lot of uh, really good recent history that has really debunked a lot of the myths around the Inquisition, you know, this idea that thousands and thousands of people no. – you know, he points out that it was not nearly as widespread, and you know, as as it, it was kind of um, the Inquisition became something to point to by skeptics. Uh, you know, during the Enlightenment, where they would point to that and say, "Well, there you go." So yep. there were lots of myths about the Inquisition. That now, I'm not saying that there was still some bad stuff that happened. Exactly, there, right? that's my point. There was my still point. lots that's of bad stuff. Point. Yes, but yes. it wasn't nearly as uh, as as big. You know, as yep. as it's often represented to be. Anyway, so the interesting thing is is that you you, you do get this kind of reaction. You get this gradual breaking down of of um, the beginnings of the breaking down of Christendom. You know, uh, you, you get um, people starting to question things. You've still got Christian nations at, the, at this at this yes. stage. And there's a lot of nations where, in order to become a citizen, you have to get baptized. Um, and may I say to all of those places where that was the case, uh, it, it, it are now the least Christian places. Exactly. It's, it's honestly the last thing
1: that you want is to build Christendom because yeah. it didn't work. It didn't work. It just didn't work. And, yeah. but out of those good, out of those, out of that um, amazing Protestant movement with all this amazing thought going on yeah. in the in the last half of the 1600s or the 1700s. Yeah. Amazing stuff started happening. We have we have whole different movements beginning to happen. You know, groups splintering off from each other. You know, the forming of really big denominations. Yeah, and and people go, oh, that's not so good. But out of that, it was spread. The gospel spread. Well, well, actually, what what's happening now is
2: that there's more freedom, certainly than there was under Catholicism. I mean, there's still there's still persecution in these. In these Protestant nations, because you know we're a Lutheran nation yes. or we're a Reformed, yes, uh, you know, there's still um, there's still not tolerating a lot of difference there. But gradually, gradually that loosens. Yeah, and actually, the variation that we have in denominations in the it's actually uh, it's actually good. It means that there's not this kind of power hold yeah. uh, on things like there was. But the big the big positive thing that happens from the reformation is a turn back to the word of god yeah and this is going to lay the foundation for the worldwide spread of christianity mm. and and really the the reignition of christianity as it was in in the early church stages so so the, the reformation brings us back to the word of god lays the foundation to that um, it, there's not there's not yet widespread engagement. I I wouldn't call the Reformation a revival as such. No, no. Uh, It's it's a turn back to the word. But what you get then is revival movements, like, for example, the pietists that spread up uh, they become the first missionaries. You're talking the 1700s now, um, during the the time this sort of so-called Enlightenment, when a lot of people are kind of rejecting the Christian foundations of society. Mm. Uh, at the same time as the Enlightenment is happening, and people are, t- are sort of turning against Christendom, Christianity is starting to yes, go, rise burn again. like wildfire, yeah. right? That because, yeast, that little yeah. that little yeast in the in the thing is right, that because it getting? can't just rest now on the fact that it has the monopoly. Yeah. You know, so, um, uh, and 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 you get this awakening out of this. You know, again, people are getting back to the word, and you get these. Preaching movements that are you know spreading all over the place. You get the uh, revivals in England, you know Wesley and yes. and, and Whitfield. Uh, in America, you get the Great Awakening in America. Yeah. Um, that's in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, that's yeah that well seventeen hundreds seventeen hundreds late yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fr- Pretty much from the sort of mid seventeen hundreds, even uh, around the time that, that the Wesleys were. Yes, were, you know, I mean, John Wesley went to America and and so forth. So there's still there's some great things happening there. There were lots of Pietists that went to America, yes. uh, as well. Lots of English nonconformists mm-hmm. went to America. I know we hear, I mean, there are lot, again lots of um, caricatures of the Puritans, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but there's some great things that they brought. I mean, they they took the word with them, yeah, and uh, you know, and so so you get this. Really, what are what are the what we would call the evangelical revivals mm. that break out um, out of the seedbed of the word? It's like the garden yes. bed of the word is restored yeah. uh, during the Reformation. This is broad strokes. You get a breakout of revival. You know, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. Then in the eighteen hundreds, on the back of these revivals, you get the mission movements. Yeah, and. Um, that Amazing. sometimes too gets mixed up with Christendom because remember you've got col- the, yep. the colonisation thing going on yes. and the missionaries are kind of riding out there with the ships yeah. and sometimes, again, when people criticise Christianity, oh, the Christians colonise this and they're actually not talking about Christianity, they're talking about Christendom. Yeah. Often what happened was is that that the Christian missionaries actually significantly cushioned the blow mm. uh, and... Um, So, but we we, again, there we need to make the distinction between Christendom and Christianity. And so, really, we are now on on the back, we are now at a point in history where, whereas once perhaps in the 1700s, even the 1800s, we could say the 1800s, 80% of Christians were in the sort of European, England, Europe, and America. Yes. Um, Now, Eighty uh, percent of Christians are in what we would refer to as the global southeast. You know, yeah. China, South America, exactly. uh, You know, Africa, mm. uh, Korea. Um, so big so, shift. So, so there's this been massive shift, and it, particularly in the last hundred years, mm. um, the as, as I said at the start, you know, Mark Knoll points out that the Christian movement experienced a larger ge- geographical redistribution in the in the last fifty years even than mm. any other comparable period in history. And, um, and so, this thing is spreading like wildfire. Um, again, I often point this out. Statistics measure the decline of Christendom. This is where this distinction is also important. So, in 1900, Australia was seen to be a Christian nation, Christendom. Uh, you know, 90s something people would have ticked the Christian box. Because yep. you just are. Oh yep. yeah, I guess I'm a Christian, I'm Australian, right? Yep. Um, now, thankfully, that has gone right down. People are not automatically... Um, identifying as Christians why is that a good why is that a good thing because as my favorite quote one of my favorite quotes from Kierkegaard it's very difficult to become a Christian when you already are one <laughs> oh, yeah. and Soren Kierkegaard uh, says that in the in in a, you know, eighteen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds in Denmark, where everyone just said they were Christian because they were Danish, yeah. and he doesn't think he's, he thinks it's a terrible situation, mm. and, and, and in and in many ways is quite right. So what what our statistics, what the census measures, is the gradual drop off. Of nominal, yeah, basically nominal Christianity. Christendom. I've yeah. been brought up in a Christian household. Um, yes, you know, mum, mum, what religion are we
1: again? You're yeah. a Catholic. Okay, I take that.
2: But yeah, know, that's that right. Yeah. yeah, so so we're getting that's dropping off, yeah. and actually alongside of that, um, uh, this revival evangelicalism, and I'm I'm going to distinguish that from uh, from a politicised evangelicalism. Totally. Um, uh, has been growing like wildfire. Now, I mean, yeah. again, one of the, again, we get this, you get this phenomenon where a movement comes really powerful, and and with when something becomes really powerful, it tends to um, get pol- a bit politicized, and I yeah. think that's what we're a pro- one of the problems that we're facing today. Yeah. Uh, again, is that we're we're. Skirting. We're starting to think that oh, let's do Christendom. We've got yeah. lots of power. We're skirting let's around the same thing, uh, Christendom, now, and so we actually need to stay, keep to the plan. The yeast spreading through the dough. We're not here to, uh, you know, create Christian nations, and and uh, we're here to preach the gospel and to build the church. And let's stay on, stay on the, uh, stay on the job.
1: So, so as we wrap this up, and again, we've really put our foot to the pedal, you know, at the the last half there. We could spend a long more. There's so many great stories that we've skipped over. Uh, One of the themes I think that we've just pointed out very, very, you know, uh, purposefully is that it is only through when we are, when when humans, human lives are invested into the Word of God do we see the spirit of God being able to take that and use that. Yeah, that's right. Honestly, in so many, in that, invariably
2: you see that the healthiest times in the church are when the church is most, uh, is is when it's growing out of its engagement with the Word of God. It's like, you know, the Word of God is so central to the health of the early church movement. It's so, and and you see, it's it's like the first, it goes along with. In periods of decline, you get this uh, move away from the word, and and you know you get this move towards ceremony, superstition, uh, and and you get this drift. And so, um, again, I think if we can learn something, you know, it's let's build, let's focus on building God's church. Let's focus on the Jesus movement. Let's not try to create. Political movements and power. So let's not go the way of worldly power that never worked, always made things worse, slowed things down. Um, let's let's stick to the main game and let's focus around the word. And I believe when we do that, history has shown that God's promises will be fulfilled and the Christian movement will go like wildfire.
0: for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you. So send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. was another DJP.FM production.